The scripture reading this morning is Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is God's word. Thank you, Ellen. Good morning, First of Anne. Uh, this morning, I'm going to walk you through quite a few things. Um, but first of all, I wanted to make an announcement that was sent to me. Um, and just regarding our children's ministry, they have two pretty big needs that need to be filled quickly, um, sooner than later. So uh, the first is they have more kids than anticipated in their children's Sunday school classes. Uh, and we need to split up some classes, which this is a great thing. This is a good thing that we have many children here. Uh, and we are needing eight more teachers to fill this need. So if you have uh, a passion or desire to see this next generation thrive, and we'll actually go into this in a little bit, um, I encourage you, please, please help out our, our children's ministry with that. And also, uh, for the kids who fill out the sermon uh, sheet during church, uh, you can take it to the reception desk for a prize after church. Now, I might fill out one of those so I can get a prize. I don't know what it is. Maybe candy, they didn't tell me, but uh, we'll let the kids figure out what that prize is. So I encourage you uh, to fill that out. And there's also family discussion questions on the back. So as a family unit, you can recap uh, what the children are learning. So earlier, it was about a week and a half ago, and I got an email from someone in the congregation and the title of it was, Oh No, the Student Pastor's Preaching. <laughs> what a timely uh, article to be written. And I really appreciated that. Uh, and in the, in the article, it goes through how less experienced preachers and teachers tend to fill the pulpit during the summer months as the A-team is out on vacation. So here I am. Um, but we also... The article also hints at how important it is for us to raise up this next generation and challenge this next generation well. And this is exactly why I'm here today, is to show you the investment into, this, into the next generation that we have here at First of Van. I've been asked to update the congregation as to where the student ministries are at during this time and clue you in as to where we're going. So part of the next 40 minutes will feel like an update at our yearly congregational meeting. And I also hope to give you clarity as to why we invest into this next generation and to encourage you all that the Lord is working diligently in the lives of our students here at First of Anne. And investing in this next generation of believers is crucial as we seek to continue to preach the gospel in an ever-changing climate of new technology, increasing social and political tensions, and an increasing challenge of unity within the church body itself. 
It is critical that our church and all believers seek to invest and disciple this next generation well. I've had the blessing over the past five years to serve here with our students in ways that I never thought I would have the opportunity to do so, but God has been extremely gracious throughout that time. And I'm blessed to work alongside many volunteers who are filling this area right here and more throughout the congregation uh, this morning that sacrifice hours upon hours of their own personal time after working full days, taking care of their kids all day, so that they can also invest in this next generation. And for that, I'm greatly appreciative of you all. We also have uh, an incredible uh, student ministries staff of Austin Smith, Anna Phillips, and Meg Burgess, wherever y'all are at. Thank you so much for what you guys do to invest. And these, these individuals have dedicated their lives that the hope of the gospel might ring loudly into this next generation. And we also have a group of students who are all wearing different variations of our impact and common ground. Impact is our middle school ministry here, um, and common ground is our high school ministry. Now, I've been asked uh, many times this morning, why the heck do you have a bear and a buffalo on your shirts? And one, the bear, it's Memphis. We got the Memphis Grizzlies. I wish there was a deeper meaning behind this, but there's not. Um, and then for the buffalo, I've been corrected many times, it's a bison. Um, it's a bison. Uh, and I encourage you, if you are interested and want, want a good laugh, if you ask any of the high schoolers um, what a buffalo says, they will gladly tell you after the service, but not, not right now. Uh, but there's no, no deeper meaning behind the buffalo outside or the bison behind that Shelby Farms has bison, and they're fun to look at. So that's why we have that. Um, but our students, really, I've been impressed over the past couple years of how they've been able to uh, work past uh, silos that could have formed, forming a community that is stronger than most I've seen in my years working with students over the past decade. Um, and our students enjoy worshiping, learning, engaging, and challenging one another despite those differences, despite their age differences between six in 12th grade, their demographic background and their school differences, they are greatly able to come together and worship together. And that's my hope is that they're not able to just worship together as a student ministries, but as a church body here at First of Ann. Just in the past six weeks, uh, we have participated in a whole lot. Uh, we've been all over the world. Um, and we've participated in a James Bible study in the homes of a few First of Ann families where we had really rich discussions about how to apply our faith uh, in our lives and not just learning more about God, but living that out in our lives. In June, we had 42 middle and high school students attend Student Life Camp out in Sevierville, Tennessee, where David Platt brought a very challenging message on the Trinity, and one of our own students came to faith, which praise God for that. Amen. Um, and most recently, we had a group of eight students and seven leaders travel to Romania, uh, where we were able to join in with our national partners, Dan and Emma Onu at Ecclesia Church, and it helped to invest with their team in the neighboring town of Poon, um, Romania, where we had over 100 individual students come through that week to hear the gospel, and that was such an incredible blessing too. Um, God is at work in the lives of these students, and I just want to continue to encourage that, uh, encourage you. And with all of that said, I think it's pertinent to understand the true why behind what we do here at First, First Evan Student Ministries. Why 
we spend time engaging with these students, uh, why we spend time investing with these students, and what is our motivation for all this. So we're going to turn to our sermon scripture for today, uh, which is in Ephesians chapter 4. And Paul here is writing a letter to the church of Ephesus from prison. And at this point in the letter, Paul is shifting his writing to more of a challenge. He's calling the Ephesians to a mission. Specifically, he's calling their leadership to, to uh, a mission. So Ephesus uh, locationally was placed at Western Asia Minor, and it was a seaport city, which had two main access points uh, used for trade. So it was a very important city, lots of people coming in and out of that area, which was a great opportunity and a strategic location for them to share the gospel. And Paul is charging the Ephesians to walk worthy of the call of Jesus by doing so, uh, by doing so, showing the world, the world the hope of the gospel. So let's read our sermon scripture for today again. And Ephesians 4, 11 to 16 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and acknowledge uh, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the, whole body, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This passage gives us the goals that our ministry should have. Paul is writing clearly that within the body of Christ, that is the church, those who are given leadership roles within that body are to ultimately accomplish three things. That church leadership is called to equip the body of Christ, and in specifically, verse 13, until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature, stature of the fullness of Christ. So for what outcome, though? What are we hoping to accomplish so that we all may grow to become more like Jesus himself? This process is ultimately, this process will ultimately have us grow into a unified, equipped body that brings glory to God alone. All of this is understanding that the true head of the church is not a senior pastor or the senior elder, it is Christ Jesus himself. And he gives the ability, he gives the power, and he gives the grace that allows his faithful follower, followers to accomplish these goals. Ministry is intended to move believers toward accomplishing these things. And the key word here is toward, because we cannot fully attain this on our own. Christ, upon his return, will ultimately accomplish these things. So these three things are moving toward unity of faith and the full knowledge of King Jesus. Two is moving toward maturity. And three is moving toward the fullness of Christ. And I'll be honest, we could do a full sermon series on each of these goals we don't have time for that. But what we will do is we'll introduce these ideas in hopes that you are encouraged and take this challenge to seek the grace of the Lord to accomplish these things within your own ministries. Because I firmly believe that if you have come to faith in Christ, you are a leader 
in your sphere of influence. You have hope that other people don't have, and that needs to be shared. So with this, ministry goal one, to move toward unity of faith and full knowledge of King Jesus. So let's unpack this together. As our knowledge of Jesus grows, so too will our unity. We are able to see our own selfish and sinful nature, which exposes our need to humble ourselves. This is perfect for communities. This command is communally focused, and it is twofold in your relationship with the Trinity, but also in the body of believers. Tim Keller, in his book, The Reason for God, has one of my favorite quotes on how the Trinity works together, and he speaks profoundly on this. So this is what he says. Each of the divine persons centers upon the others. None demands that others revolve around him. Each voluntarily circles the other two, pouring love, delight, and adoration into them. Each person of the Trinity loves, adores, defers to and rejoices in the others. That creates a dynamic, pulsating dance of joy and love. The early leaders of the Greek church had a word for this, perichoresis. Notice our word choreography within it. It literally means to dance or flow around. Should we not model this in our own lives, within our own communities, within our church? To take joy in the selfless love towards one another. Countless times through scripture, we have Jesus modeling just this, sacrificing his comfort and even his self-preservation so that the Lord would be known. Our community of believers should be aimed to build up one another in love so that when we are faced with challenge, we can all succeed. All glory be to God. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 speaks about this unity. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and he has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. We are better together and we must grow in our understanding of Scripture and share together in the experiences that will challenge us for the kingdom. We are to build one another up in love, in the love of Jesus, forming our community of believers who are not easily swayed by the deceit of the world. Jesus died for this unity, unity between ourselves and the Father, which would also overflow to the body of Christ. This is of the utmost importance for the church, that we are unified together by the gospel in biblical community with a common goal to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Second, to move toward maturity. What does that mean, to move toward maturity? To move toward maturity in the faith is to grow in the understanding of the grace given by God the Father through Christ the Son and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In the Ephesians text, it states that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. We must mature in our faith and be rooted in our understanding of the knowledge of the holy that we may see through deceit from the earth and schemes that aim to take us away from the truth that Jesus brought. So in order to grow in maturity, we must look to scripture that diligently teaches these truths. The authority and measure that we have on earth in addressing, uh, that we have on earth. 
And in 2 Timothy 3, 12 through 17, the author is addressing how the Christian should respond to these things in life. His response to the gospel. So uh, 2 Timothy 3, 12 through 17 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as, uh, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. As we look to Scripture, we should be in prayer, as Fletcher discussed earlier, that the Holy Spirit, that he will reveal truths that we can continue to grow in our understanding of the kingdom of God. As a biblically focused community that seeks teaching, Reproof, correction, and training from the living word of God. And we've seen abuses and deceit just in the past 40 years. Most notably has probably been the prosperity gospel movement saying that if you're a Christian, God will bless you with great health, great wealth, and great prosperity. If you follow Christ in the scriptures, it's clear. You will, not, you will be persecuted, not necessarily live with financial abundance. And listen to me clearly, not saying that you may, you may not have your wealth, your health, or your prosperity. You might. However, Scripture does not promise any of that to the believer. This has been used, the prosperity gospel has been used for financial gain and power for these false teachers for years and le years, leaving an ugly stain on the perception of the church from the non-believer. It's one of the things that we have to overcome. And currently, one of the most rampant worldviews is summed up in the words, live your truth. How many of y'all have heard that before? Live your truth. You do you. This view is held by many, especially in these next generations, uh, is one of the things that we're trying to combat the most as we work with our students. This teaches that you are the center of your own universe, and because of that, you can lead your own life without the consequences of your actions. That whatever you say is truth just for you. This is what is described in our Ephesians passage today. We should not be tossed to and fro by the waves of the world. We need to be rooted in the foundational truths found in the word of God. Scripture is our measure and it's profitable for to find wisdom that can point to faith in Jesus. Ministry goal three, finally our third goal, is moving towards the fullness of Christ. What is the fullness of Christ? This is for the church to embrace the call of Jesus as individuals and as the body. We are called not to just inwardly grow as individuals and as a community, but also to be focused outward and to preach the good news of Jesus to all. To attain the fullness of Christ means for us to embody what he has called us to do in regard to our lives. And over the past year, we've heard time and time again uh, the Great Commission. We've spent much time in that because of the importance of its life for the believer. Matthew 28, 19 to 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. 
And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is a call to intentional movement of the gospel, which involves going, getting out of our daily routines, our comfort, our convenience, and our own desires to share the good news. This should influence everything we do, every decision we make regarding where we work, where we go to school, our hobbies, our clubs, where we shop, everywhere that we go, we have opportunity to share this good news. And if you ask God for the opportunity, I can tell you he will liberally give it to you and abundantly give you opportunity to share his good news. Thankfully, Christ upon his return will accomplish these three goals. However, it's the role of evangelists, shepherds, and teachers and to move believers towards these things. And we must train the saints up for these areas. And this is exactly what we're trying to accomplish in our student ministries. We're believed we're, we, we believe we're called to build biblical community, teach scripture, and preach the gospel. And as a student ministries, these three areas form our programming, our events, and our discipleship with students. So why does all this matter? What is the point of all of this as we seek to move towards these, these areas? Each and every person within the body, everyone here who claims the name of Christ and is, and is saved, everyone has a role. And from my perspective, this is all to, pass, to continue to pass the torch of faith to this next generation, to continue the work of ministry, to build up and train up more saints, not through our own power, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. We will begin to push our focus in student ministries on growing outward. We've done a good job of building up community. We do a good job of teaching scripture, but there's an area that we've identified that we need to do better in, and that is going outward. Gaining exposure to what's going on in the world around us so that we can effectively love our neighbors well. Our student ministries meets just about every Wednesday night during the school year, and instead of continuing what we've been doing, we're going to begin to make a shift. And I hope you hear this as a great shift, opportunity for us. And we will do this as there's an ever-growing need to give our students real-life experience of living out their faith, not just being taught at, which is good and has its place. But it can't be all we do. We will begin to put, uh, each month in this upcoming school year, we will uh, partner with different local Memphis ministry partners. We have many great partners here in the Memphis area, and that is great opportunity for our students to hopefully, hopefully long-term get involved in. And we have great partnerships in this city and a great amount of talented students who I know can use their gifts effectively in those areas. So students will take part in prayer and worship nights, where we will focus and pray for those Memphis ministry partners uh, as a community, as a body of believers. They also hear from representatives from those partner organizations, and they'll have the opportunity to actually go out and meet with these Memphis ministry partners in their spheres of ministry. And all of this is to encourage our students to see the needs of our city and expose them to areas where they can show the love of Christ well. And during our midweek meetings, we will also have small group time where our adult volunteers can continue to pour in and invest in the spiritual health of these students. In our Sunday school, we'll be spent working through the gospel project 
curriculum, which is in unison with FEC kids and some of the adult Sunday school classes here. And it's such a blessing to be able to partner and hear scripture and focus on each age group at their level. And my hope for this is that families will utilize this to have family devotional time together that they can all focus around the same scripture, teaching one another what they're learning about what God is doing in their hearts. Strengthen the in-home discipleship. That's my hope for this. Each growing at their own level. So, my challenge to you, before we have, we're going to have some students come up in just a minute and share what God's been doing in their life. Uh, but my challenge to you is if you're gifted in different areas, in ministration, my challenge is to share that gift. If you're gifted in faith, share your gift. If you're wise or have discernment or have the gift of mercy, congregation, let's share that gift as a community. This will build unity within us. I'd urge you to invest in those who are coming after you because everyone is valuable to this church body. And as I've had the privilege to lead this student ministry, we've seen the grace of the Lord in this next generation. And yes, there's many challenges. It's just life that's working with people. There's challenges that arise. However, we've seen God's hand at work. Looking back over the past few years, we've seen the Lord break down barriers in our ministry Like I said, allowing our community that isn't siloed by age or school, but rather a group of students from 6th through 12th grade that are growing in their desire to follow the Lord. We have, again, adult leaders investing into those students to carry the torch and pass that torch on to this next generation. So without further ado, I'm going to call Austin uh, Smith, our middle school director, and Caleb Love up. And Caleb's going to share a little bit about what God's been doing in his heart recently. All right. This is Caleb Love. Um, very nice. That's great. Um, so he's uh, one of our eighth graders. He's been on a uh, student lead team, very involved in our impact ministry, um, sixth to eighth grade. And so God's been doing some really awesome things in his life, and I've been able to um, walk with him through some of that, and I'm super excited about it. So we just wanted to share some of that. So if you could just share a little bit about what's God been doing in your life. Thanks. So uh, about a month ago, I read this verse in Revelation that said, you have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains. And God told me through that verse that I was asleep and I needed to wake up. And then for a while after that, I didn't hear from God until I read about a week before student life camp in Ezekiel when God told Ezekiel at the Valley of Dry Bones that Israel, just like the dry bones, needed to wake up. And God told me through that that he would wake me up. And then during student life camp, God woke me up during one night when David Platt asked any of, the, any of those who wanted to come back to Jesus to stand up. And it, it was an awesome moment for sure. Um, so what's, what's been a, a difference that you've seen in your life since uh, standing up at Student Life Camp? I really noticed that God spoke to me more and led me deeper into a relationship with him by challenging me to obey him no matter what he asked. Awesome. Um, so what, what have you been studying this summer? What have you been learning about besides Student Life Camp? I've been going through crazy love with you and have been learning 
that Jesus's love for us is very deep. It's not just like the little song you sing. It's a crazy and awesome thing that Jesus did for us. So from these things that you're learning from Student Life Camp and what we're going through together in your personal studies, um, how are you acting out what you've been learning? I've been trying to share the gospel more and just build myself up so that if an opportunity comes, I can share the gospel. Great. And last question for you. Um, What are you excited about this coming semester? I'm really excited about the student lead team. I was on it last year, and it was just a very good time for me. I grew deeper in Jesus and I'm looking forward to do it again. I also want to start maybe a small ministry in my school. Awesome. Well, thank you, Caleb. Uh, We're going to welcome up another student, Savannah Harrington, um, and Jake's going to come back up here to interview her. Um, Well, Savannah uh, is a sophomore over at ECS, and she's grown up here at uh, First of Van, and I've gotten the joy of knowing her over the past four-ish years. Um, And Savannah, we've talked a bit about how God is moving in your heart and in your life, and you've mentioned that community is an area of focus uh, for you and where he's been working. So can you share with us a little bit about that? Yeah, so... um I feel like God lately has really just been finding a lot of ways to point out, like, how our community could grow. Because, like, the youth group is, we're all so friendly and kind to one another, but I just feel like sometimes we have our own separate groups, and we don't ever try to expand and become closer with people who we don't usually tend to talk to. And so this summer I had multiple chances to talk to people and get to know people that I don't usually talk to. And I think that because God repeatedly showed me, like gave me those chances to talk to those people, I think that sort of made me realize that what he was trying to show me is that it's really beneficial for us to all grow closer and try to get to know one another, even if we're not the best of friends or whatever. Yeah. And so dreaming big, um, if everybody embraced this idea of um, we can all be friendly and cordial to one another, but we can actually go further and push further uh, into unity, how would you see God glorified um, ultimately? I really think that, I mean, if I think it's going to take an effort from the individuals. Mm-hmm. We're going we're gonna to have to as like individual people realize that we need to change, basically kind of change the dynamic of the youth group and um, grow closer to one another because all the leaders already do a great job of everything and trying to connect us and grow our relationships. But I feel like if on an individual level we could try to grow our relationships with each other, we could grow our youth group as a whole and when new students come in then we can make them feel welcome and they don't have they don't feel like they have to go with this group or this group or they're going to go sit in the corner by themselves they can just walk up to anyone and everyone and we can all work together to make everyone feel welcome 
no matter what their background is or if they're a Christian or if they go to our church, I think that if we can kind of unite our youth group a little bit more, we can make others feel welcome. Yeah, so by uniting the youth ministry, there's that opportunity of being more outward facing and being more welcoming as new students and new new people come and, and join us. Well, Savannah, thank you so much for sharing this morning. I'm grateful for your heart. Caleb, the same. Thankful for what the Lord's doing in both of y'all's lives. So thank you. Thank you. Well, church, uh, I hope this has been encouraging for you. Uh, I'm continually blessed to get to work alongside these students. Um, and students making breakthroughs in the faith has been one of, uh, there's not much to rival that. Uh, seeing something click in the head of a student uh, that God has revealed something to them is just, it's life-changing. And it's, it's a joy as a community that we get to celebrate when someone makes a step into faith. Uh, that's something that we get to celebrate. And I wish you could share in that. And I would like to just take a moment to encourage all of you, and as we uh, heard earlier, there are needs in our children's ministry. There's needs in our youth ministry uh, for adult volunteers. And there's also needs in our local Memphis ministry partners who work with students all across the city. Uh, there's opportunity to invest in this next generation. And I encourage you, and I know many of you already do, whether you're a teacher, uh, you already volunteer in our kids or student ministries or at a local Memphis ministry partner. I commend you for what you do. I thank you so much that you're investing. But there's also more opportunity for all of us uh, to engage more. Uh, and because these students need strong uh, believers to pour out their hearts and show their love for this next generation that there is hope. There's hope in Christ alone. And that's my encouragement to you if you uh, feel like you might have questions about that, reach out uh, to myself uh, or Courtney or Stephen Yo, who works with our lo local Memphis ministry partners. We'd love to get you connected. I'm happy to help you do that. Um, church, let's pray. Lord, I'm so grateful for your scripture. Lord, I pray that we uh, continue to take the opportunity to read your word and learn and glean your truths from this living word that you have given to us. Lord, as we are here this morning, we pray for this next generation that they might be, uh, that they will be raised up in your love, that they will be raised up to know that you alone are the truth. And Jesus, that is only through your power that you can share. Uh, and illuminate to our, this next generation that you are the true hope. So Lord, as we continue here at First of Anne, we celebrate what you are currently doing in our next generation. But Lord, we know that you are still moving and you will still do your good work in the hearts and lives of many people, of many young people. Lord, as we continue from here, I pray that we can take the truths that we've heard this morning to heart that we are encouraged but also challenged of uh, the ministries that in our own lives, whether it's investing in those who invest in this next generation or investing directly into this next generation. Lord, you have gifted us, gifted us all to contribute to the body of Christ, and I pray that we take that diligently uh, in our lives. Lord, we lift this all up to you, knowing that you alone have all power. And we pray this in your mighty and holy name. Amen.